You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. What's the difference between surviving and thriving? The answer is choice. And your choice depends on your story. Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest is a man who changed his survive story to a thrive story. The motto that defines his new story is, earn more, work less, enjoy life. He used to deliver pizzas for $8 an hour. Then he learned to create a full-time income online in 1996. For the past 21 years, he's helped thousands of his coaching clients to achieve profitable internet lifestyles in hundreds of different markets. His name is Terry Dean. Get excited, like I am, to learn how you can earn more, work less, and fully enjoy your life. Terry, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I am glad to be here, and I'm glad to talk about stories, something I love to talk about. Well, fantastic, because it seems that you have a really interesting, dramatic story. Let's start. At the beginning, where did you grow up? I grew up in Richmond, Indiana, small town up there in Indiana. And did you uh, were you part of a big family? Well, it's kind of interesting because I have a big family. I have six brothers and sisters, but I'm the youngest, like the youngest of the young. My both my parents were over forty when they had me. My young my sister that's next up from me, she's nine years older than me. Then the rest of the family, the other five kids, are close to like 20 years. So they're like 19, 20, 21, 22 years older than me. And I'm curious to know if um, they're also entrepreneurial. They are not, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. There are, um, one, of, one of my brothers has passed away um, from an illness, but he was a medical doctor. Another one was a medical doctor. There is an engineer. There is a, um, there's two professors. So n- none of them are 
Well, one of them was an entrepreneur also because she was a CPA. But the rest of them are in other types of businesses, other types of jobs. Now, a CPA is a certified public accountant, yes? Yes. And you would qualify that as a, an entrepreneurial job? Well, she worked as a job first, and then she went out and started her own practice. Since then, mm. she's actually retired. Again, she's 20 years older than I am. Mm, okay. Who would you say influenced you the most when you were a kid? Probably my biggest influence as a kid was probably my mother because uh, we were re- very close when I was growing up. Um, she was very kind, and um, she, she probably was the strongest influence I had on my life, was my mother. What, what did your mother and father do? What were their professions? Uh... Well, my father had worked for the city for the uh, wastewater treatment plant. He was up uh, like over the system uh, when I was young. He had worked himself up all the way from like the very bottom rung of the jobs, and then he was up like running the wastewater treatment plant under the mayor at that point in time when I was young and going through teenage years. My mother at that point, she was stay at home at, from there. She had worked retail previously. Okay. And when you were a kid, because most kids do have very vivid imaginations, did you imagine something in your mind that you wanted to be when you grew up? You, you sent me over this question beforehand, and I looked at it, and I actually struggled with this question, trying to think back. And the reality is, is I jumped from one idea to another. I saw maybe a doctor like my brother, or maybe, you know, an engineer, or maybe an evil mastermind that takes over the world. But there was nothing that I sat on and said, this is what I want to be or stuck with. It just, I just, I, I cannot say that there was one specific thing that stuck out to me. Well, you know, it doesn't have to be. Um, uh, I'll share with you that I became a professional actor. When I was a kid, I mean, if I look back, uh, I see one of your one of your friends is speaking to us. Yes, he is. That's one of the dogs in the background because I heard the doorbell. Also, which uh, which 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 dog is that? That is actually the golden retriever, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Hello, Indiana. Uh, I have a cat, and my cat loves to participate in the podcast. So today, it's a warm day, so I put her outside so that she wouldn't have her two cents to to meow in. So I was saying I became an actor, and when I look back, I see uh, the seeds of that. But when I was a kid, I never would have dreamed that that's what I would have become, ever. So it's interesting, the paths that we end up discovering as we develop. Now, along those lines, uh, before we get to that, did you have heroes when you were a child? I wouldn't say there was any literal hero that I had, but I was someone who enjoyed reading a lot, and I enjoyed superheroes, so I could easily say Spider-Man was one of my heroes, because I was a nerdy kid growing up, and I took a lot of connection with his story growing okay, up. Okay, cool. What what was it about Spider-Man that you connected with? <laughs> what did I connect with him? Well, he was a nerdy teenager who was struggling through life while well, he was a hero saving everybody. He still had his daily life and his daily struggles in school and homework and all the other problems that a teenage boy goes through. And so that's something I identified with as Spider-Man. So I I can say he was a hero when I was a kid. You know, uh, as I grow older, I begin to appreciate the Marvel comic heroes even more because they really are extensions of who we are because what they do is they put out into the world images that we carry deep in our imaginations, you know, when we're daydreaming. And um, in that way, they're kind of real. What led you to your job as a pizza delivery guy? Well, there was quite a few different experiences I had that took me from where I was to delivering pizzas. And probably, we probably can't go into everything that went on up to that point. But I had, went, I had actually went to Bible college, which I did not graduate from. I ended up dropping out of Bible College when I got married and got married to one of the teachers, not from the Bible College, but one from the high school that they had at the same college and had a lot of issues and left the Bible College there. And then I ended up working a lot of dead-end jobs over the time period. And when I say dead-end jobs, I signed people up for credit cards in front of Sears. I sold satellite dishes door-to-door. And during my time selling satellite dishes, I sold a grand total of zero 
<laughs> so <laughs> that's, they didn't keep me very long. And I moved off to the pizza delivery driver after getting dropped from the satellite dish company for not selling any satellite dishes. I went to the pizza delivery driver because that's something I could do. And $8 an hour was actually better than minimum wage then. So I was getting paid more there than I was selling satellite dishes since I wasn't selling any. So now, that's how I moved to there. Did, did, did you work for a big pizza chain? I worked for Little Caesars. Okay. How long did you do that? Um, it, was, it was actually only a few months that I ended up working for Little Caesars because it's during that period that I did first discovered the Internet and actually came online and started building the business while working that job. Well, you know what's fascinating to me? You said you were supposed to be selling satellite dishes and you didn't sell any. Now, to be successful online, you've got to know something about sales and marketing. So obviously, you learned it because you became a success at it. What was your self-talk like during your period as a pizza delivery guy? Do you remember? Well, at the very beginning, I was basically broke and it, it didn't help my self-talk the fact that my wife and I had a lot of debts at this point, a lot of credit card debts. And so we had creditors calling all the time mm. and telling us how we had to pay them. And we were actually borrowing from one credit card to pay another credit card at that time. And so a lot of my self-talk was, I don't know if we're ever going to make it out of this. We're stuck. We're running dead-end jobs. My wife was working at a CD factory making CDs. She wasn't paid a whole lot more than I was. At, you know, in the middle of the night, that was her job. And so we didn't have a lot of money coming in. And so I was like constantly down on myself in that issue. And this gets a little interesting. This is not something I talk about a whole lot when I do the business. But like one of the things that really changed me was a Bible scripture. Okay. And that was this Bible scripture that said, if any, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And that changed my mindset because I then stopped praying for money, which I had been doing a lot up till then, and started praying for wisdom. And I, it, it started changing my mindset because I said, okay, I'm going to have wisdom. And that means I'm going to be able to do the right things. I absolutely love it. And I want you, you got very excited. So I, it was great to hear the excitement in your voice. I want you to say that exact quote from the Bible, but I want you to say it slowly so that people really get the words. Hey, it's James chapter 1, verse 5. It's, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men, to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that's a specific promise that if we ask for wisdom, we're going to get wisdom. And wisdom is basically knowing how to take the right actions. And like, I, I love it. That's really powerful. And, and I think you are aware that um, there are many salespeople, very, very successful, who refer to the Bible um, for sales lessons, for lessons. I mean, in the world of network marketing, which I'm in, they talk about Jesus being the first and one of the greatest network marketers. He had a downline of 12 people and look at what it's become. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And see, what happened was with that scripture, up to then, I had all the negative self-talk that I couldn't do anything. And it's funny that you mentioned network marketing because I had tried a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sell satellite dishes. And then I had, back then, we're talking 1995, 1996, I was in several network marketing programs, Excel, which was a, a long-distance service and several others. And I couldn't sell those either. And it, all of this led to me, we had, we had a bunch of, basically network marketing starter kits in our basement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I had had all these negative self-talk and then that scripture changed my mindset because I had a mindset up to then that we could pray for money and God would like give us money, but we were outside of it. That scripture changed it, that God's going to give me wisdom and w the wisdom that he gives me is going to cause me to get the money. And it's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I get it, you know. And this, by the way, storytellers, my, my listeners are my storytellers. You don't have to be religious to appreciate the power of this. It's a, a lesson in human psychology, if you like. And as a matter of fact, in the Bible, correct me if I'm wrong, Terry, but isn't there a famous king who, wasn't it Solomon who... He became rich by asking for wisdom. Exactly. It was Solomon. And 
he could have asked for money, he could have asked for renown, but he asked for wisdom to, to judge his people, and then he got everything else to come with it. Right, right. That, that's a fascinating story. So I was going to ask you if there was a pivotal event that led to you to change your story, but and I guess you've kind of answered that, that the event was going to that particular scripture and taking it to heart and allowing it to begin to reshape the story that you were going to uh, create for yourself, right? It really was. That was the pivotal moment, was finding that scripture and then changing my prayers, which changing my prayers changed my attitude and what I started doing from there, because it, both my wife and I ended up changed from there, that here's an interesting thing. A lot of people talk about starting an online business or starting any type of business, and they talk about the spouse being negative or being against it. At no point in time, because I started, my, I actually, from that point where I prayed the prayer, where I noticed the scripture, prayed the different prayer, and from when I first went out and bought a PC, which by the way, I bought on another credit card, but from that difference, we're only talking about a week. So like one week later, I bought the PC that then I started going online and started building my first ugly website from mm, that point. So, so mm. that really was a pivotal moment that changed everything. But what I was mentioning about my wife is from that moment when that changed, she became a supporter who told me no matter what it was, I could do it. She mm. had faith in me to do whatever it was. Well, what is your wife's name? Julie. Julie. You had mentioned that she was a school teacher. Uh, no, she, well, she actually was a school teacher, and at the there was a Bible college there, and they also had a high school, a high school, and she was a teacher in the high school. And so, why did she leave that job? She basically got fired from that job when we got married. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's what they weren't all happy with it. We'll just say it that way. They they fired her officially, but then officially hired her back because okay. they didn't want to have fire her. Um, Legally, they probably couldn't have fired her. So, but that—that's kind of a messed up part of the story. That's cool, though. You know, now I want to clarify something for people too, because I know that we still have people. You know, I understand it. Some people shut down when they hear the word prayer, and I, what I want to make clear is, I'm totally open to what Terry's talking about because I myself am not a religious person, but. I have a sense, a, a strong sense of spirituality. And the way I look at prayer is if you think about the fact that whatever we focus on expands, for me, prayer in a non-religious context is focusing on certain kinds of thoughts that you're putting out into the world and then attracting a similar energy that those thoughts are putting out. How do you feel about that, Terry? Well, I'm sure we have a little disagreement here, but I'll explain it from a way that anyone should be able to understand. The moment that I changed to praying for wisdom, when praying for wisdom, that means I then had an attitude that God was going to give me the right actions to take. That doesn't mean that everything's going to work out good. Mm -hmm. okay, that's the mistake of a lot of, but it, it means that I'm going to be taking the right actions. What that gave me in the personality on the mental side is that gave me the attitude, okay, I'm going to take the right actions. Even when I make mistakes, I'm going to figure out how to fix those mistakes. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to find a way to make this work. Even when nothing else I've ever done worked in the past, there's going to be some way to make this work. Exactly. So what was happening was you were tuning in to a constructive and creative mindset, and that made all the difference. What obstacles did you have to overcome as you were reinventing yourself? Some of the things I ran into in the very beginning was, of course, actually having the confidence that I could do. Even, even with that prayer, with, with changing the mindset, then you still have everything else I tried hadn't worked. And as we just mentioned, I had never sold anything successfully up till then. And going online, I was going to have to learn how to sell online. And my very beginning of business, it kind of relates back here, is I got started by buying the license to some VHS like self-help type videos. Like one of the videos I remember well was Mark Victor Hansen, one of his self-help videos and some others. I bought a license to them so that I was allowed to sell them. And I built, put up some ugly websites. I learned how to design websites and put up some ugly websites and started generating leads to the websites from like CompuServe forums and way back then banner ads, which were good then, went out of style. We're using them again now. Things come back and forth. 
but the mindset and the ability builds the business forever. But with that, the biggest struggles that I ran into was just the fact that many times, whatever I tried at first didn't work. Okay, the first website I built didn't make any money. I put up an ugly website. It started making some sales from leads I generated from CompuServe. And then I said, you know what? I can do a better job than this and I can make a nicer website. And when I fixed up the website and made it prettier, all the sales stopped. <laughs> that doesn't give you a whole lot of confidence either. Mm -hmm. and, and, but I was smart enough to put back the ugly website that was working, which I can tell you now the difference between the two. I couldn't have told you why then, but now it's because the ugly website focused on the words and what we were selling. The design, the pretty website focused more on the design. And you need, to, you need to focus people on what you're selling. I really like what you just said because that is a big one that we hear a lot. I hear that from some of the top marketers that, you know, you don't need a pretty landing page. You need one that captures the attention of people because it strikes at a something that they are really, really hungry for. And it talks to them in a way that shows them how to get that thing. And like you said, it's not that, but many people get seduced into spending thousands of dollars on beautiful websites that basically are just, you know, pretty, but they don't make money. So I'm glad you shared that. That's really good. Do you have mentors? Well, over the time, when I first started up, there, were, there weren't any direct mentors like this person's personally helped me, but I chose some mentors. I went out and chose like Gary Hobart. I picked up a lot of his information products. I picked up a lot of Jay Abraham's information products, and I studied what they were doing, and I would say that they were my mentors starting out. Once I got a measure of success and I was successful online, I went and actually paid John Carlton to mentor me and help me, especially on the sales copy side. Wow. Uh, he's he's an icon. He is, and I paid him. I think it was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand or so that I paid him to. I paid him a fee for the whole year. He would review all my copy, all of my websites and copy. And the interesting thing, by that point in time, just from studying from the books, during all the websites, all the sales letters I sent over to him in this, he never edited anything in the copy itself. But he edited every one of my headlines. He changed every one of the headlines around. And I remember one of the headlines he actually changed from this shows you how powerful a headline was is I had this website that I had been doing about 5,000 a month from. He changed the headline on the website and my sales the next month immediately went to 8,000 with no change in traffic. So it Ooh. was a bump of $3,000 just from him changing the headline on my website. Do you remember what the, the two headlines were? The, the, the 5,000 and the 8,000 one? No, I can't. I can't recall it really well right now. I'm sorry, but I can't remember it because we're, we're talking sixteen years ago. Okay, that we did, this, did this change actually seventeen years ago for that, and so I, I don't remember the change. But it actually wasn't that big of a change. She changed around a couple of different words that basically the theme, the concept that came behind the headline was he changed it over so that it felt more like the moment you got the system, the system would do this for you, not that you had to, you know work the system more that you know just changing the system would do this for you almost the way that changing the headline out immediately meant i made more money mm -hmm. oh yeah you gave um the image presented ease as opposed to work yes that that was the little change he did in the headline as i said he didn't change any of the rest of the ad copy because i guess by that i was good enough that he didn't change the other parts i'm sure there are little things they could improve but just changing out the headlines made a big difference and uh, you can see I was not able to sell, but at this point in time, that's one of the things I do really well, especially in written form. Well, uh, you know, by but by the way, for those people who are not who say are asking who is John Carlton, John Carlton is one of the world's most respected copywriters. The man is a legend in the world of copywriting. Uh, I've read his training and I've also read some of his copy, his ads, and um, it's powerful stuff. I mean, he can get you to buy just about anything, you know? <laughs> well, see, see I, I know his stuff well since when I paid him from coaching. I also got, like, all of his ads that he sent over, his whole big kits of ads. And I went through, and to, to practice the skills, I mentioned this is something I was not good at, and I had to learn to sell. I actually went through his ads and wrote them out by hand, many of his ads. 
mm. until I could start writing things similar to him, which probably is part of the reason that by the time he was reviewing my copy, he was just changing out my headlines. I wasn't, I wasn't being bold enough in the headline. Yeah, bold is the word. You need to be bold. It's true. Now, did you have to spend a fortune to hire him? Not at that time. He actually was affordable. I, I don't want to go into the rates because I'm sure if you paid it now, it'd probably be 10 times what I did. And so we're not going to go into how much I paid. It might be offensive to him compared to what he charges now for it. But mm -hmm. I, I, I found it very affordable, especially with what he did for my business. Wow. That is a great story, man. I'm glad you shared that. Now, as you went along, because I think one of the biggest challenges for solopreneurs, and I say solopreneurs because when you're working online, it's kind of just you and the internet, which is impersonal in a way. How did you motivate yourself and move forward toward this new identity and not give up? The creditors call in all the time. I actually say it was a lot of what moved me forward is it sounds sad to say, because some people say they have big goals, they have big dreams. I moved forward because of desperation. We didn't have any other option. We had to move forward. If I couldn't get this to work, I mean, the only other choice is bankruptcy and staying in dead-end jobs for me. You know, I love that answer because it's so real. And yes, yeah, sometimes people will say lofty things, but they're just kind of embellishing the truth. But what you said... <laughs> is vital because we have that whole philosophy of burning your boats. When you can't go back, when it's either we conquer or die, you will find a way to conquer, you know? You, de you definitely will. I'll say this as my personality. People only have two motivations for doing something. It's either they do something to gain the pleasure or they do it to get out of pain. Okay, those are the two motivations, and this is part of when you get into sales training or copyright, and there's two motivations. I'm much more motivated by pain as an example in another way just to show you that I'm motivated by pain at one point in time because I sat on my butt and just did work on the line for a long time I was 70 pounds overweight well I didn't lose weight because I had this big dream of being fit or anything else I lost weight because I started having stomach problems all the time and it hurt <laughs> that forced me to lose weight and I lost the weight and kept it off because I didn't want the pain again so you could think about it. you people we either move forward because of pleasure or, or we move forward by pain, I know that I'm motivated by the pain stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's great. That's a great insight. Now, you talk about an online lifestyle business. How would you describe that? What is it? A lifestyle business means that you build up a business that fits your life and the life that you want. I first came up with that term more than a decade ago, the internet lifestyle. It's actually used quite a bit online today. But when I first came up with it, I was living on out in the country. I was running an internet business with just basic dial-up service out in the country. And my nearest, I always joked about it, my nearest next door neighbor was a cow named Oscar because we lived next to a horse farm and there were the, the cow that always came up to the fence, which they named Oscar, and stuck its head through the fence to eat the grass on our side. The horses did it too. But the cow was always there. So we always said the nearest next door neighbor was a cow named Oscar. And the internet lifestyle means that you, I, got to, I was able to live out in the country because that's what I enjoyed. Eventually, my wife and I moved out of Indiana to Florida because we got tired of the cold weather and being stuck in the house when the, when, when the snow came in the wintertime because they plowed our, our driveways last in that area. But that meant I have the freedom to go anywhere and to set up the schedule the way I want. Like my lifestyle now means that in the morning, I will often get up, maybe check the email a little bit. I'll work out. I'll do some writing, which I enjoy doing. I'll schedule some calls with clients in the afternoon. And pretty much I create my own schedule and I work with people that I love working with in business. That's an internet lifestyle. And I've helped a lot of clients do the same. The one mistake people make when they hear that term is they think that they start there. They don't start there. There's a lot of work, a lot of struggle to move your business forward, but you can do it all with that vision of where you can be and create mm. a business of what you want. I love it. And, I, and uh, it, this is the future. I mean, we're moving. Our world is changing because of dig digital technology and jobs are going to disappear. Uh, people's positions are going to just evaporate. And the more people who can embrace this way of creating a life, I think the more people will be happy. Do you agree? 
definitely, because not only do you get freedom, but I think it's, it's going to become almost essential in the future, as you just mentioned, with all the automation coming in for everything. Absolutely. What were the niches that you discovered for yourself that took you from moderate success to pretty impressive success? Well, my very first moderate success was selling those licensed videos because I got out of the pizza delivery job, which I always kind of joke, you know, I went full time from pizza delivery. And that doesn't mean a huge income because it was deli- I was delivering pizzas and I replaced that income while licensing the videos and selling the videos online. One thing that really transferred me over was the fact that people started asking me how I was making sales online, how I was selling products online. And when I first went out and started teaching other people how I did it, that I was invited to several big internet marketing seminars, I started speaking about this subject. And probably the biggest thing that happened during that phase was at one of these conferences, the promoter asked if we could do a challenge at the conference. And the challenge was he would actually put in the sales copy that he sent to his audience to sell the conference that they would see me produce at least $10,000 in income during the conference. And I accepted the challenge and I fulfilled the challenge multiple times. And what the way I fulfilled the challenge was as I started building the business, what I really realized, and I, I, this was a big revelation for me and it's still true today, and that was since I wasn't good at selling in the beginning, I didn't usually go directly for the sale. Instead, I would offer somebody something for free. So a free video, a free report, a free gift, and get them on my email list. And then I would send out emails which had content, value, and some fun, fun, some fun aspects too. I was constantly storytelling, which is part of the reason I love the theme of your podcast, is I do a lot of emails. The majority of my clients make a lot of money from email, and we do it with storytelling. That's what we do. We tell stories from our lives. We tell our origin story. We tell stories from our clients. That's how we make money with email. And that's how I made, I always beat those challenges was with the list I had built, including one of the challenges I actually did 96000 over $96,000 during one of the challenges during from a Friday morning to a Sunday evening, just selling an offer to my list that I had built up, mostly built up the list from what I'd call a mixture of content and storytelling to my list. Now, what was it that you sold to make 96000 in a couple of days? It was actually a group coaching program that I would be showing them. A lot of what the group coaching program was about was about creating information products and building an email list at that time. And people signed up like crazy for that. And how, um, how much was the product that you were selling? We actually had a couple of different options depending on what they wanted to choose. And one of the options was $4.95. The other one was uh, $19.95. And then to come up with the 96000 I actually subtracted out the merchant fees I was paying mm-hmm. when I finished. Because everything else was profit since it was a group coaching program. We, I actually didn't ship anything out. It was all handled over the phone and with online delivery. Wow, that is beautiful. And how big was the list that you were mailing to? At that time, the list was like 36,000, if I remember correctly, people. And you built that list over how much time? That list, at the point in time where I had, had sent out that email, would have been about four years. About how many years? Four? About four years. About four, four years yeah. for them. Okay, cool. That's wonderful. This is, this is exciting stuff. Now, name the... Let's see, what is the biggest mistake people make when they want to create income online? You already mentioned one, that they come in thinking that as soon as they get there, bingo, they're going to lie on the beach. Exactly. Well, I would say probably the biggest mistake they make, and this is going to offend some people out there, is they think that there's a prepackaged business opportunity they can just step in and make a lot of profits. And I mean, there might be something out there where someone helps you or mentors you, like in the network marketing field, maybe they mentor you. But I can promise you there's no company, there's no network marketing company out there that just gives you a system that's just going to work. So the big issue is people come on, they just think they're just going to promote an affiliate program or they're going to promote a network marketing program or they're going to join some other business opportunity. And it's all just going to be packaged up for them and they don't have to do any thinking and they can just hit this button and hit that button. That's probably the biggest mistake that they make. And... I've seen people go years where they get stuck jumping from one opportunity to the next. And the opposite of that, what you really need to do 
is go in and think about the audience. And every client they've ever helped, we think heavily about who our audience is, how we can help them, how we can give value to them, and how we can brand ourselves to this audience. But everything starts with the audience. It doesn't start with an opportunity. I agree. That's a wonderful, wonderful insight. Now, name the top three things a person must do or have to succeed online. The top three things that they must do. There's a lot of things that you should do online, but I'm going to say this, and this shouldn't actually come as a surprise based off of where my background came from, is I would say you have to build an audience. And my favorite audience, of course, is an email list, although it could be a YouTube channel. It could be a Facebook group, but you have to build an audience. Your first focus needs to be on building that audience. And just as a little tip, even though I say these others, of my clients that I am currently work with directly, only one of them doesn't focus heavily on their email list as the primary audience. Okay, One of them doesn't. He focuses heavily on a Facebook audience, and we're making his profitable, but everybody else is focusing heavily on the email list first. So that's the first one, is have an audience. Number two is you need to share entertaining, contrarian content and stories with that audience. And what that means is you can't just give the same tips everybody else does. It needs to be something contrarian, something that stands out as different than what everybody else is, is saying, and you need to connect that with your own story. Like as we went through, let's just mention the superheroes again that we talked about earlier. Every superhero out there has an origin story, why they're in the business that they're in. I actually use that showing how much of a nerd I am with Spider-Man as my hero as a kid, but I use that teaching method when teaching clients because during the first few days that someone's on their email list, I have everyone set up in an autoresponder, which is an email that's programmed automatically to go out over the first few days. I always have them tell their origin story, how they got started, how they got interested in the subject, what problem they had. We actually work that into the very beginning. The reason why is that separates you from the competition because your story is going to be unique and at the same time, it shows the value that you can give to them because this is a problem that you faced and here's how you can help them. Here's how, here's how you moved yourself out of there. And not only does it show you as different, but it shows some of the benefits and promises you can give. And that's just the first point of a story, the first beginning story is an origin story. But I go through that throughout the whole process of mixing in content and stories to a list. And then the third piece is you need to make offers your list because I'm building a relationship with those regular emails and then you need to make offers. They could be offers you create such as I have coaching and consulting programs. I have information products I sell. I sell, I sell products from other people as an affiliate also which is where a lot of people get started. Their very first offer they make to their audience is as an affiliate where they promote somebody else's product for a portion of the profits. And you have to have those offers also and you have to be willing to make strong offers. You have those three. You have an audience. You share contrarian value in, in stories with them, and then you make offers to them. Those are the three things you've got to do to make profits online. Storytellers, if we ended the podcast right here, you now have a million-dollar formula to follow just by listening to this again and again and again. Terry has offered some amazing insights here that come from his experience. And one of the things, of course, that resonates most strongly with me is how developing your authentic origin story sets you apart, that no one else has that story but you. And the moment that happens, you're really not competing anymore. You're not. You're using that as part of your separation from everyone else out there. And that's the reason every client that allows me to get them to do it, we get, that, we get their origin story in that first week of emails that goes out. That is beautiful. That is really, really powerful. How can people earn big money from small email lists? And along with that question, what in your mind is big money? Big money, well, it kind of depends. I, I kind of leave that... I would leave it kind of general because big money, when I was first getting started as a pizza delivery driver, big money was a few hundred dollars back then. Okay, that was big money to me. Today, a few hundred dollars wouldn't even be worth um, writing the email for that I would send out. <laughs> so there's a, there's a difference in mentality as you go along. So it, it basically means what is big money to you and 
your list is going to grow over time. So like just to give you an example here, which often it works better, is I have a client who has 3,000 people on his email list. I consider that a decently small list. It's not a small list, but it's a decently small list. We did a offer to his list, and by an offer, I mean he actually had a course that he put together. We sold it to his list of 3,000 people. We had seven days that he made a special. You, since, since we're launching the product, you get an extra discount, like 40% off if you buy within the next seven days only. We emailed the list hard that week. We sent an email every day, and the last day we sent like three emails. From that list of 3,000 people, he generated close to $50,000 in sales mm. to his list. That is big money from a small list comparative. <laughs> That's the way we're thinking about it. Absolutely. I mean, look, a person who has a traditional job, many people listening would say, well, I work a whole year uh, at a job that I maybe don't like so much, and that's putting it mildly, and I might earn like $35,000. And here's a person who earned fifty in a concentrated time. You said in about a week's time, basically, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Uh, keep in mind for anybody listen to this he didn't just build the list that week he had the list previously and I'm not sure how long he'd been building it up but it was seven days he made the money and of course you know what a month later we read another special he made money that time so when I say a big profit like this we're doing income every month from these lists usually smaller than the big launches but it does take time to build this up so yeah that exa- exactly because it's it uh, it's all about creating uh, strong authentic relationships with people that they value and then 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 monetizing that but the monetization once you have that relationship is can be pretty fast and that's that's fantastic would you mind if i give everyone here an email they can send out to their list really fast oh yeah email list no please yeah okay and this will help you okay this isn't going to make profit off itself but this if you do this regularly this concept, this email will make you money. I, I can't quote it exact word for word here, but here's the basic concept. You're going to send a really short email out to your list, to your audience, and you're simply going to ask them. You're going to say that I'm producing some new content soon for my list, and I just wanted to know, could you tell me what is the biggest challenge you're facing right now with X? And X is whatever your subject is, whatever your niche is, whatever it is that you're offering. And then just please hit reply on the email and send it to me. I read every email. And, that, and for the subject line, use this subject line, I need your help. Okay, so I just gave you the exact text of an email that you can send out to any size list and start getting responses back from the list. And what this does for you is you're going to start knowing what you should be sending out to your list. You're going to start to get to know your list better because remember, rule number one is audience. So you send that out to your list, and you'll also, at the same time, once if you have any type of consulting, coaching, or any type of offer, you're going to find that the people that you dialogue with, because you, it's kind of hard once your list gets big to respond with everybody, but when you have a small list, correspond back with everybody. Everybody who answers that, thank them for it. Ask them for any other details. Ask them for clarification. Start a conversation with them. I've had clients who've used that email, and then they started making money because after they started the dialogue, they built that relationship the person bought their products and services immediately afterwards just because they started building a relationship. But you don't have to do it just for that. You do it also because now you get to know your audience better. I love it. This is another, I'd say another million-dollar nugget that you just put out there. How can a person turn new subscribers into buyers in 24 hours? Here's the mistake that I made for a long time. So this is a mistake I made for more than a decade and lost money because of it. Well, I left money on the table, at least because of it. And that is, you hear a lot of people tell you that you shouldn't sell immediately when someone gets on your list. You should send out value and information and wait to sell like a week or two after you built the relationship. I found out that's just not the case. And I've tested it heavily with multiple clients. Now, especially we tested it heavily with Facebook advertising because if there's any environment where you should have to wait, you know, build a relationship and wait before you sell, it would be Facebook because you're interrupting people, pulling them over. But I found that we're much better off what we do when we get people on our list is we offer some type of freebie. So we offer a video, we offer a cheat sheet, we offer something of value if you join our list. Here's what we normally do. We will then, let's say we give away a video. When someone subscribes, we then would deliver the video and right under the free video that we're giving them what we promised, we have a link over to our sales page or to another sales video that leads on from it. And 
this will give them the content we promised in the video. And then at the very end of the video, like last minute or two, we'll lead in, we'll bridge over to often a low cost offer we have as the next step. That is extremely effective. And testing this with clients, many cases we see 40% of their front end sales within the first 24 hours of running this mm. because we're running a special like this. So anybody who's telling you that you have to wait before you make an offer, they're making a mistake. And the way I like to describe it now, now that I know, I wish I would have figured this out a long time beforehand, but now that I know this, think about it this way. Someone, we'll, we'll take Facebook ad, but this could be any type of advertising, any type of marketing, but Facebook ad, they see an ad on Facebook, it grabs their attention, okay? They're, they're looking at cute puppy photos, but your ad grabs their attention for some reason. They, so it grabs their attention, they click the ad, they go to your website, they read, your, they read the headline on your website first, then they read other elements of your website, they decide, yes, I want this freebie, they subscribe to your list. Then after they've done all of this momentum, we're gonna tell them to stop and wait till next week before we make an offer? That doesn't even make sense. That would be the same as a salesperson being in front of a prospect, getting right next to the close and then say, I'll come back next week. The, the customer is nodding their head, yes, all the way through the prospect. They're ready to go. And you say, well, we got to wait till next week before we sign you up. That would be crazy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm glad that you drew the analogy between the example in the retail world and online, because I think that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get the feeling that what trips some people up is that they don't imagine the similarities between communicating with people online and communicating with people in a traditional sales setting. They see it as something completely alien and different, but there are many similarities. Just like Facebook is a social platform, and if you go to a networking event, you know how to behave, and you should be behaving the same way on a social network like Facebook. It really is. See, I was bad at selling before I came online, but I, I spent a lot of time and attention learning copywriting. And one of the basic principles I learned from my very first copywriting teachers was that copywriting is salesmanship in print. That's mm. all it is, is you're selling in print. And anything you do, and I'll even say this, it's much easier when I have a client to teach a someone who's had any type of sales experience or even no sales experience at all, it's easier to teach them how to do emails and online sales copy than it often is to teach somebody who will say as a teacher or an editor because they get so stuck in the grammar and making sure that everything is correct when the reality is I've tested it many times on websites. You just want to talk, you want to write just like you speak, mm -hmm. which means uh, mistakes at all. Having there's times that I use really short sentences. I break the rule of having multiple sentences in a paragraph. A lot of my emails are one line, space, one line, one space. So they're like one sentence before the next space, adding a lot of white space. So just talk like you speak online. Exactly. It should be a conversation, and conversations don't respect grammar. Uh, very often, um, what we do in conversations is we'll start a thought and then another thought will occur and we'll interrupt the first one. We don't even finish it. I'll start talking about, oh, you know what? And then I go somewhere else and that's okay. As long as you bring them around to a specific goal that, that you're aiming for. And we even have a t term for that in copyright. It's called an open loop that you yeah. open a loop that you bring them back to that keeps them curious to keep reading. Mm, beautiful. Man, you're giving some. You're giving great value here today. Thank you so much. How how will the internet change our lives in the next ten years? Now I know that this topic we could devote five hours to, but let's let's just focus on the Reader's Digest version. We'll do a quickie version. I'm not great at doing predictions because technology moves so fast. But some things I feel very confident about is we're going to see retail. You know, in the physical world, is disappearing. That's just a fact. And any any retail that's going to survive in the long term is moving online. So we're le we're going to be losing all those jobs. That's moving online. We're going to see a lot more people who are starting their own business online. We're going to see a lot less jobs. Like even if you look at right now, I don't think we're very far off 
from having trucking companies using automated systems to especially drive the trucks on the freeways, if nothing, if nothing else, at least to start. So that's a lot of jobs that this world is going to be losing because of technology. And that means that you need to find a place to make, basically, you can't, I would say people growing up, it's a mistake that people are teaching their children right now on go to college, build your life up, get a good job that lasts forever. We know that good jobs don't last all that long. I think we're seeing in the near future, 10, maybe 20 years out, there aren't going to be a whole lot of separate jobs. It's going to be a lot more about you finding a way to produce value for others, which it could be in your own business. It could be working independently for businesses. It could be working for home, from home for businesses. But I could see in the near future, 10, 20 years out or less, that we really need to be thinking about what value we can produce, where can we place ourselves, especially how can we connect to our story of our life, what value do we have to give to others, what value does our story have in it from our life that we can give to others, and really start building up from there. So I, I want people to think more value mentality and audience mentality especially, audience and value, more than they think about jobs for the future. I agree with absolutely every word that you said. And it's exciting to to hear you say that, that, that your awareness of a reality that is in front of us and many people are really not seeing yet, they will feel it shortly. Are you familiar with Peter Diamandis? Not really. Okay. Uh, I really recommend that you buy this book yesterday. And the reason I say that is because everything you just said is at the heart of his book, and he paints the most exciting big picture for what's happening to the world because of digital technology. It's called Bold, How to Go Big, Create Wealth, and Impact the World. It's got a good title. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler. But if you went onto Amazon and just put in the, the word... Uh, bold in books, it'll come up. It's it's powerful. How do you help people get excited about and help them create passive income? A lot of it comes from, again, the... Well, first of all, let's say it this way. I don't know if there's any income that is 100% passive in the standpoint of you make the money and you're not involved in any way, shape, or form. But when... Here's the passive income that a lot of my clients have created, and that is we, we actually have lists, and when I have an email list, we send out broadcasts and other things we set up, we have autoresponders. An autoresponder means, let me just describe how this works for mine. I send out, I, I write usually about two emails a week, okay? So I send two emails a week to my list. I go through, and when an email connects with the subscribers, it gets an awesome open rate, great click-through rate, and most importantly, makes a lot of sales, which I like, I take those emails and I plug them back in as an autoresponder. An autoresponder means that it's in my system and it sends out automatically for me whenever a subscriber reaches that point. So if I put it as day 30, everybody on the 30th day they're on my list, they get that email. And I could put it day 40, day 50, all the way out. And over time, after writing these broadcasts, I have autoresponder sequences that go a long way out. In fact, I have one client who's further out than mine. He actually has an autoresponder sequence that lasts five years now. So that means if somebody joins his list today, there are five years of emails already programmed on his list. These are emails that have made him money, that have promoted his products, they've promoted affiliate products, they've done these different promotions, but they're already written, he already knows they work, and that is some incredible, pretty much passive income at this point for him. It's the funny thing, whenever we talk about passive income, remember there's a lot of work in the beginning to create passive income, mm -hmm. but that, that is the passive income He's created that just makes sales for him constantly, especially if it's promoting affiliate programs. And like as an example, there is an affiliate program that I promoted a couple of years ago. I haven't promoted it since, which as I'm thinking about it right now, I should promote it again. It doesn't make sense that I haven't. But I promoted it a couple of years ago, and it had, it had a continuity to it, which means people paid for it monthly. They still send me checks years later for a promotion I did a couple of years ago. To my which, list. Do you want to mention what the, the affiliate program was? Well, the affiliate program is actually for a shopping cart system. Mm -hmm. so, and so and people plug in, they stay on it, and I keep getting paid. Is it the shopping cart that you use, or is it another one that you like? 
it's, it's the one that I personally use, so it's the um, NetOffice toolbox system, which is through one shopping cart. So yes, it continued to promote and continue to make money, which I should promote it more often because that's a nice passive income that just comes in. And your autoresponder is built into that particular system, correct? Some of my autoresponders are. I have multiple systems at this point, and I also use AWeber for email. Okay. Very, very good advice. Wonderful. How do you help people succeed online who know zero about the internet and marketing? The, the first step that I always take for them is I tell them to, again, go back to the audience, which means we start looking at the audience, we start researching their audience, we figure out what it is that they have value to share about, and then we go on. Here's one technique. We can't go into all the different research techniques. Obviously, that would take way too long. But here's a quick technique that I use with most markets is since Amazon is where people go to buy books, especially, but there are a lot of other information, other types of products they buy at Amazon, but it's a place where people go to buy compared to Google. People go there sometimes just to search for information. If somebody's at Amazon searching for something, they're likely to spend money. So I have them go over to Amazon, look in the category that's closest to their market or niche, and start looking at the, the best-selling books in the category. Write down some of the title names. Open up those books. Often on Amazon, you can open up the table of contents for a book as well, and you can look at the front table of contents in the search inside feature. And then we go down to the reviews, and we go through the reviews looking for what I call customer language, which is in the review, they say they bought this book and they like this book because of X, or they didn't like this book because of X, and I tell them to copy and paste all these over to a separate document. And what they're really doing is they're immersing themselves in a market of buyers in this market to start getting an understanding of the audience. And if they had a full day, I would tell them to do this for a whole full day to get to know the audience. And from there, we would then build out and decide, okay, what can we create? What could we give away for free to get people onto a list? And then many cases, we'll even try like a little Facebook ad to bring people over where we start at five bucks a day. A little ad, bring them over to see if we can get people on a list. Can we promote an affiliate program in the market after they join the list? And that's our starting point. I like a very quickie version of the starting point. I absolutely love that. And you were so clear. I could just see the process. Thanks a lot for that. What are your favorite books, Terry? Since that scripture changed my life, of course I'm going to mention the Bible. But let's jump to another one. A book that I absolutely love and read multiple times is Essentialism. And the core concept of essentialism is that you need, you could only focus on the absolute essentials. You can't focus on all these different activities, all these different things. A good example on online marketing is that when somebody starts online, I tell them we're not going to try to generate all these different, use all these different traffic methods. There's always a flavor of the moth online of what they could do. We're just going to focus on one traffic method. We're going to push them towards one list at the very beginning. We're only going to do one thing to start because that's all that, that you have attention for, the, the, the beginning. And essentialism is all about having a priority, not multiple priorities, and really narrowing everything down to what works and what doesn't for you. And then another book that I love is Advertising Secrets of the Written Word, which is Joe Sugarman's book on copywriting. And in that book, he really brings in the entertainment aspect of it really grabbing people's attention. And he does copyright in a way that a lot of people can understand, even coming from outside of writing and copy. I love both of them. And essentialism is one that um, many people I have interviewed uh, have at the top of their list. The full title is Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. And it's by Greg McCowan, M.C. capital K.E. O-W-N. I am going to pick up Joe Sugarman's book because you said a magic word for me, entertainment. That is uh, my background. Uh, I'm a professional actor and my approach to storytelling is from the art of dramatic storytelling because that's the one that teaches us how to grab them fast and keep them long. Let's hear from you a favorite quote that you have. Well, uh, going back to the favorite quote, we're just going to go back to the same scripture I quoted earlier. If any, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. That's a favorite quote because it changed my life. 
And uh, tell me exactly what book in the Bible it's in. It's in James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Okay. Thank you for that. Where do you see yourself in five years? Here's one of those places that I might be given a different answer than most people. Again, <laughs> that is, I'm, I know I'm supposed to give you a huge vision right now, but I'm actually really happy where I am with business. There's actually even the possibility I could see five years from now, I might even take on a little bit less clients than I have right now. Because the reason is, is because right now I get to experience the front lines in more than a dozen different markets because I have my hands in these different clients and I'm kind of like behind the scenes with them. And I get to see the numbers from all these markets. I get to see what's working, what's not in all these markets for advertising, for building lists, for making sales. And I'm gonna continue doing that behind the scenes for my clients over the next five years. There's a possibility I might even cut back a little bit more because the internet lifestyle point is so important to me overall. You know, it's funny that, I'm, I thank you for that. I love that answer. Mm. It's funny that you started by saying, well, uh, I know it's not what I'm supposed to say. I, mm. I'm very big on language. And the word supposed to is a word that I work at eliminating from my vocabulary, where the moment we operate from I have to, I must, I'm supposed to, we're usually dancing to someone else's tune, and it's usually anxiety-producing. So your answer is good. Again, it's honest, it's authentic, and it's clear. How can people contact you, Terry? The best way to contact me is to go over to mymarketingcoach.com, and it should come as no surprise that I have some free email cheat sheets for you there, a free email conversion kit that you can basically subscribe to my list. I'll give you these freebies. It's going to help you produce stories. Something that your listeners will probably love is there's a cheat sheet in that free conversion kit that has 64 questions that I call 64 story starters because I'm asking you questions about your life, about your business, about your experiences to help pull out stories for you to use in emails. And you can pick that up free at mymarketingcoach.com. And then once you're on my list, just hit reply on any email and I get all replies to my list. So it's mymarketingcoach.com. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. Any final thoughts? I'll say this. It's very simple over everything we covered. And that is your life eventually becomes what's inside you. It might not be fast. You're going to go through struggles. You're going to go through some problems. You're going to find things that don't work along the process. But eventually, you're going to, you're going to become what's inside you. And the funny thing is, is I had a client who succeeded right out of the gate. His first ad he ever ran was successful. He struggled more than I think any other client I've worked with when later on when he started another project and it didn't work right out of the gate. It, he was like, he didn't have in his mentality, hey, we can try something different. This doesn't mean it's a bad project. We could try this over here. We could do this over here. That was so hard for him to get. But the reality is online is you need to come with the attitude that I'm going to test several different approaches. I'm going to keep trying different things. And a, a little baseball analogy here is I like to say that I don't play nine inning games. We keep playing until I win. Mm. Terry, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you've delivered massive value to my audience, and I was totally enjoying everything because I found it so engaging, and I was learning a lot. So it's been a very valuable experience for me as well. Thank you for your passion, your wisdom, and your time. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, storytellers, for spending time with us again today. I feel, and you probably agree, that it was time well spent. Terry gave us truly life-changing content. He addressed how a person can go from changing one identity of themselves into another that is more enriching, and he gave us specific, valuable information and insights on how to make money online. Please pay this forward. Tell people that they can enjoy this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at changeyourstorypodcast.com and of course at the website you will get access to the ebook that I created for you as a gift storytelling secrets for a rich life and business
Today, Terry also referred to some really valuable books. He spoke about John Carlton's work on copywriting and Joe Sugarman, who is one of the top people in the entire world of advertising and marketing. Remember that our sponsor, Audible, will give you any audiobook of your choice as a free download plus one month access to all of their service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and take advantage of that offer for a free audiobook. During the next week, think about the story that is shaping your life. And it may be a story that you want to change completely, or there may be elements of it that you know are limiting you and with a different script in your head, you could have a more enriching life. Remember that you can address that and change it. You intuitively know that the magic to change lies in asking the right questions. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.